Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is Subtextual. Hi, I'm Lizzie. And ahoy, sexy! (laughs) Hi, I'm Sam. And oh my god, I sound like a gay grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome to Subtextual. Yes, here at Subtextual, we watch movies. uh, We look for the queer subtext that we already knew was there. And we chat about it. Except for on our birthdays. Which yes. This is my birthday episode Happy that just birthday. happens to fall on Christmas. Christ, you are the uh, you are Christ. I'm the Christ risen. <laughs> I am the six pound baby Jesus. Hell yeah. Um, so on our birthdays, we don't have to do a gay movie if we don't want to. However, am I the only one that thought this movie was a little gay? As soon as it's as soon as I like started rewatching it, I was like, wait, this is like kind of gay. Yeah, like this technically could be a regular episode. I couldn't tell if it was like kind of gay or if I just like am so used to looking for gay. Yeah. You know, so I started doing something. We talk about like sometimes when we think a movie's gay, we'll go into Google and type the name of the movie in gay just to see what comes up. Yeah. I started turning to Letterboxd instead mm-hmm. and seeing what people's reviews are. So let me just read you a few of the reviews I found when I was like feeling the queer feelings about Francis Ha. Uh, one user says, are you even truly best friends if no one thinks you're a lesbian? Yep. Um, one of my favorite users who I always like their sheet says, Francis and Sophie, are they, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Another person who gave it five stars said, come out, Greta Gerwig. <laughs> I think it's Francis. Well, we could get into this, into the, when we dig into the meat, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so every year it takes me a long time to find a movie to do for my birthday because apparently every movie I love is gay. In some way. That's how we got Dirty Dancing last year. I was like, oh, I'll do Dirty Dancing. It's like the straightest movie ever for my birthday. Like, just gay enough. We could do an episode <laughs> about it. Directed yeah. by a gay man, mm-hmm. that one. Um, so I think if I hadn't been on my period, I probably would have chosen like The Emperor's New Groove. But here we are. We got Greta Gerwig instead. Um, But before we jump into maybe a gay, maybe not, we'll find out, movie, uh, we want to say thank you so much to our patrons over on patreon.com slash subtextualpod. We've had the the Patreon for over a year now, and we've got a bunch of perks established. There's a backlog of fucking fan service episodes, so if you join now, you'll have access to like 18 episodes, bonus episodes. Uh, go check it out or give us a review on whatever platform you're listening to right now. It takes one second. I'll, I'll wait for you to go do that. Come on. It's her birthday. Yeah. Give <laughs> my present. Give me a five-star review. It's That'd so simple. Um, but yeah, what do you think about Francis Ha? I love this movie. I turned this movie on. This and Lady Bird are my Greta Gerwig comfort movies. Um, unrelated, but the last time I watched this movie, I had just done Molly the night before. And, you know, like historically, if you do Molly, uh, the next day you feel sad because it's like depleted your serotonin or your dopamine or something. And Francis Ha just always makes me feel like co- cozy and lovely. And it does help if you're ever curious when you're coming down from Molly. That's actually the pr- that could be a whole letterbox watch list. Like what to watch when you're coming down from Molly. Francis Ha. Absolutely. Because you need to like your sadness to be recognized when you're feeling sad, but not dwelled upon too much. Yeah, you, you don't know want what it I mean? like amplified. This was also the f- my introduction to Greta Gerwig. Me too. Nice, yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing this film when it came out. I don't remember exactly where I was. I have a vague memory of being in a dorm room and watching it with, I think, like some of my guy friends at the time. 
I do remember wondering like why this movie was affecting me so much. Like I was laughing belly laughs and I was legit crying real tears and no one around me was really doing anything like making any sort of expression and I was like oh why is this like hitting me so hard <laughs> but then I remember re-watching it I think I'm assuming with you in the house we used to live in the Womanshin house which was just like us and a bunch of girls and gays <laughs> living together and that was like a way more solidifying experience for that film for me because I remember watching it with like a bunch of women and we're all like and we're all crying <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like the perfect friendship relationship movie because in a lot of the reviews and what I've read online or heard from people when they talk about Francis Ha, they don't really mention the relationship of Sophie and Francis. Like it's all about the Francis character. But I would say the Sophie relationship drives the entire film and drives everything that the character of Francis does and accomplishes. Yeah, I think they're relationship might be easy to forget because so much of it like the back half Sophie's just gone and you get to see Frances on her own which almost feels odd you know like mm-hmm. a salt and pepper shaker you only have one like it seems like she's just a pepper shaker loose in the world oh, she is a pepper shaker uh but Lee I mean what was your take on this film you're a boy love this movie yeah I um I think the first time I saw Greta Gerwig was in Greenberg um, a, a previous Noah Baumbach film, and I was like a huge fan of Noah Baumbach's films before then, Squid and the Whale, even as far back as uh, Kicking and Screaming, which are you know I feel like yeah there's a there's a there's a lot to talk about with Noah Baumbach, but I want to piggyback on something I think maybe Lizzie had just said uh, that this is a very funny movie, and I think uh, like very different than Greenberg, which I thought was very interesting and. I think a lot of people maybe might be put off by its sort of like nervous, anxious quality, whereas Francis Ha is like just as maybe even more heartfelt and more funny and just also like a very serious movie to think about, I think. Uh, yeah, it's a, a great movie. Loved it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, and you brought up Noah Baumbach. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the production real quick. But yeah, the film was written by Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach together. They had actually met um, before working together on Greenberg, which she acted in uh, and was directed by him for that. And then um, they wanted to collaborate on something. And she said she had not really written anything for a while leading up to this point and had like a basically a backlog of all these ideas and images in her head. And so like threw out a lot of the ideas for this Francis character. And they worked for about a year or more on the script. They did it kind of like postal service style where they basically just had like a super long email chain that they would like throw back and forth across the country and work on. And then every now and then they would get together, print out everything and like read it to each other out loud because they were both really focused on the rhythm of the words and the actual words themselves that they choose. As you can tell, if you see this film, it's very dialogue heavy and a lot of it can feel like improv, but it's like verbatim what the script says. Oh, I would love to read the script as well. It's available online. I pulled up Sam for this one and actually read the script. And it's, you know, obviously there's some things that changed in the edit in terms of order and some things were cut out. But like the dialogue is word for word. Yeah, love that. So, um, yeah, we're going to be talking a lot about Greta Gerwig, obviously, and Noah Baumbach throughout this. So um introducing a little game we're gonna play yay i love games for your birthday my birthday game it's an obscure fact game where i'm gonna tell you a fun fact and you have to tell me if it's gerwig or bombach (gasps) this is so much fun okay yeah so we'll start with our first question okay 
Okay, Gerwig or Bombeck? Uh, this person. I was I was like Gerwig. <laughs> Gerwig. <laughs> I'll take Gerwig. <laughs> Gerwig for five hundred. Uh, they are a collaborator with Wes Anderson. Mm. Bombeck. Bombeck. Final, Final answer. answer. That's kind of a trick question. You bitch. They're both collaborators with Wes Anderson. So. <laughs> I hate this game. Greta Gerwig was cast in his animated movie Isle of Dogs, and Noah co-wrote The Life Aquatic and Fantastic Mr. Fox. Uh, who was she in Isle of Dogs? Which dog was she? Uh, she plays actually a child character. I'll show you a picture and maybe you'll remember this character. Tracy Walker. I do remember her. She had like a lollipop head. Yeah, and like a big head of curly blonde hair. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she voiced that character. And then Bombat co-wrote my favorite Wes Anderson film and another come down from Molly classic <laughs> Fantastic Mr. Fox that movie is so warm and fuzzy yeah I love that some people have comfort creators some people have come down from Molly creators <laughs> same same yeah same same uh so yeah this was the first film that they wrote together but they went on to collaborate several more times and if you didn't know they're in a relationship together and have two kids um, so they've been together since like 2011 or something. Didn't um, he pull like a Spike Jones, Sofia Coppola, like with mar- Marriage Story? Because he wrote Marriage Story and it was semi autobiographical mm-hmm. because he had like cheated on his wife with Greta Gerwig. This I don't, is, the was, timeline in my mind, I think, is he was getting a divorce from his then partner, Jennifer Jason Lee, mm-hmm. who's an actress. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were separated at the time, but not technically divorced. So I don't know if there was any like nefarious bullshit happening by the time he and Greta uh, came out together as a couple. But um, marriage, he, his parents did get divorced when he was a kid. So I'm sure marriage story is like some amalgamation of all of that fuck shit in his life. I have been spreading misinformation and there are some people I need to contact after this. <laughs> yeah, I've, I do I haven't heard that they were like in a cheating relationship. We'll do a punch in if we if we investigate yeah. anything. I don't know suspicious. either. Yeah, I had this, a similar thought. Like, I feel like uh, he was still married to or in partnership with Jennifer Jason Lee when they were shooting Greenberg. That could have been maybe the first time, but also maybe my information's wrong. Maybe they were already separated at that point. And I referenced I the Spike <laughs> Jones Sofia Coppola thing because Sofia Coppola uh-huh. directed Lost in Translation right. about her relationship with Spike Jones, and then Spike Jones Giovanna directed Rubisi or whatever plays like the Spike Jones. Yeah, sorry. No, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. And then um, uh, Spike, Spike Jones. Jones went on to direct her uh-huh. about his failed marriage uh, with Sofia Coppola. So they just <laughs> but it's like, like it's a- kind of like a diss track, like right? director to director. <laughs> it's like what's that song? It's like. Um, I'm just a notch in your bedpost, but you're just a line in a song. It's like you're just an award-winning independent film (laughs) movie. (laughs) You just secured me at the Sundance Film Award. (laughs) Those are both great films, by the way. Yeah, love them. Um, But yeah, they collaborated many more times, including on Barbie. They co-wrote Barbie, and of course Greta directed that. And then she was in his film White Noise, and they co-wrote Mistress America, which Greta also starred in. So long-time collaborators. Has anyone here seen Mistress America? I I remember Forever wanting to ago. watch it like as a follow-up because I was big in, into Francis Ha. But do you remember much about it? Or? I remember it was also like a female relationship, like a friendship. I remember liking it, but not as much as Francis Ha. Um, 
there's like a couple of details. It was very dialogue heavy. So yeah, like I said, it was really hard to choose a film for my birthday because it has to be something I feel really passionate about. And I feel like I've already talked about Greta Gerwig so many times on the pod, but uh, I think this one is really special because it's her we get to see act and it's her words that we're listening to because she wrote it. I think that's really special because there's no other case like that. I mean, maybe Mistress America a little bit, but she is in every single shot of this film. And I find her to be like a very inspirational filmmaker. And um, so I listened to like a bunch of different interviews and podcasts with her in this like stage of her career. Um, And I found this really interesting quote from um she was on Dua Lipa's podcast Dua Peep Dua Peep uh, at your service and there was a quote that I heard that just really really struck me because I've always been trying to put my finger on like why do her movies affect me so much mm-hmm. I think this is changing and it's you know different now but I think you know there was sort of a thing <laughs> I think especially when I was growing up like if I think if you're a boy who wrote a lot, people might say, well, you might want to be a writer. (laughs) And if you were a girl who wrote a lot, they say, well, why don't you have this diary with a lock and key and never show anybody what's What's inside? (laughs) And it's like, lock it away. (laughs) Gosh, that's such a weird message. Wow. That is so true. If we were writing, it was always journaling. Yes. Diary. Diaries. And it was always something to be kept away from others, like our own secret. It was always implied that nobody even wanted to know. Like the lock was for your like little brother, but not for the rest of the world. Cause why would they care? Yeah, exactly. Like I had a locking diary and I remember I journaled a lot as a kid, but she, in this film in particular, I feel like she like opened her own diary and was showing us like maybe the things that are kind of embarrassing. Like I think the Frances Ha character doesn't have her shit together mm-hmm. at all and does a lot of like really awkward and uncouth and cringy things. And just some of them downright foolish, like flying to another country on a credit card for 24 hours. Like, I love that. It's so iconic. And I think she recognizes that like a female protagonist a doesn't have to be obsessed with finding romantic love interests mm-hmm. um, that's something you see across her her work ladybird and barbie included uh, and little women but also b like women characters can be flawed and just like not put together and messy and say great things but say stupid things as well so i think the francis ha character is like a really freeing character because we don't want her to be perfect and she's not trying to be. And she's not, by being imperfect, she's not the butt of the joke either. Like She's funny, but we're not meant to think, we're not meant to feel sorry for her because she's just having a human experience. Yeah, do you think you'd be friends with the Frances Ha character? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Absolutely. If if you and I are not some version of Frances Ha. Girl, honestly, that's like my fantasy guest podcast. Like, if we could have, like, a fictional guest, it would be Francis. Oh, Francis. Oh, it would be so great. And it's funny that we're doing this episode for your birthday because, weirdly enough, when we were thinking, we went on a trip to New York for Lizzie's birthday, and I found the Francis Ha apartment, the one where she lives in with Sophie, was on oh Airbnb. God. It was booked for the dates that I wanted to surprise you, but what? It, it wasn't expensive either. Did they call it, like, the... 
Francis Ha apartment. They called it the Francis Ha apartment. That's I hope so it's still good. out there because uh, I would love for us to go and stay there. Oh my God. We just have to do all the things they do in that opening montage. Smoke cigarettes on the fire escape. And play fight in the park. Uh, <laughs> their love. Um, so yeah, actually, let's get into the movie. And I want to start by watching that opening scene to get us into the tone of the film rather than a trailer. Love it. No, no, no. no. Ow! I love that opening montage. It's just these clips of little weird things in their friendship, you know, them play fighting in the park or busking for change or making scrambled eggs. And it so accurately depicts what it's like to live with another woman. Lizzie and I were roommates for so many years and it's like her doing a yoga video. Yes. Like while I'm like reading something or playing with my Rubik's Cube, it's it's what they describe as like parallel play. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's like... These like really like little heartfelt moments of like, oh, let me share this line from this book I just read that's so cute to like being absolutely foolish, like running for the subway and kicking each other's asses and slapping each other. (laughs) And so, yeah, we meet Sophie, who is Francis's best friend. Uh, Fun fact, Sophie is played by an actress named Mickey Sumner, who is Sting's eldest daughter. (laughs) What? Sure. (laughs) Sting, man. Yeah. The fact that he's still making music. <laughs> hey, right. <laughs> Gotta respect it. <laughs> um, uh, and I found a quote that Greta said when talking about this film way, way back when it came out. But she says, I think of my own friendships very much as love stories. And maybe that's what makes them dysfunctional. I think most women know what it's like to love their friends too much and unhealthily. I've certainly done that with my friends. I don't think it's gender specific either. I think friendships have heartbreak just as big as relationship heartbreak. We just don't have any words for it. Wow, that is very accurate. Man, I keep saying accurate because I was explaining this to my fiance the other day because I met somebody who I met a man that I had like a crush on. And so I was like talking to her about it. I'm like, man, I just have such a crush on him. And she was like, should I be concerned? And I was like, no, it's a friend crush, you know, and and she was like, oh, totally. Like she got it right away. But I feel like sometimes I meet someone and I'm like, I just want to hang out with them. And it's like all the anticipatory stuff that you get when you like actually have a love interest because it's so exciting to learn about them and see them. And what are they I'm like? like? Oh, they texted me back. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we're going to hang out on Friday. Yeah, exactly. But you, you're you not interested in sleeping with them at all. Yeah, the girl crush. But then like we were talking about this at some point recently because like I've had a, you know, We've all had probably a bunch of romantic breakups, but probably a couple of friendship breakups too. And a friendship breakup can be way more messy in my opinion because there isn't like as much of a timeline and like a dialogue around breakups for friendships. Like you could literally just like disappear out of each other's lives and it's not like you owe each other anything like you would closure with a romantic relationship. Yeah. And it's more brutal because when you break up with a friend, it's not circumstantial. It's not because of distance or money or compatibility in certain regards, but they just don't like you anymore. Or like enough was enough and you had too many resentments that built up or whatever. Or you just like grow apart. Like it usually is a lot more sad because like romantic relationships can be sad, but it's like like you're both trying to get to something and that something is probably, if you're monogamous, like a kind of a forever relationship, you know? Like, so if that isn't what is in the cards for you both, it's like, okay, well, we're just wasting each other's time. But friendships don't really have like a uh, expectation. Like you could be friends and see each other once a year and still be friends, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not like you have to make as much time necessarily. 
So whenever it doesn't work out and you're left like to wonder like, did I do something? Did they do something? Or even worse, when you like to stop liking one of your friends. Yeah. It's like for me worse because you never really heal from it. No. Yeah. I've had some, all of my relationship breakups at least make sense to me, but I've had some friendship breakups where I'm like, it's something that I, I just, I always think like you run it over in your head right. more because you're like, where was that moment There's no closure. where one of us decided we weren't going to be friends and what was it and why, you know? And you see that a lot with the Francis character here because Sophie's the one that kind of pulls away and drifts apart quite rapidly and stops reaching out to Francis as much. And Francis is left to wonder like, wait, I thought we were, you know, in love. I thought this friend crush was going to last forever. So in the next scene after this, we meet Francis's boyfriend, Dan. <laughs> Love this guy. And like coming off of this montage of like how much fun these roommates have together. And then you meet Dan who like wants to get hairless cats. Wants her to move in with him. <laughs> wants her to move in. And it's like, come on, dude, you don't know her well at all. She's like obviously a dog person. <laughs> <laughs> She's not into you. Yeah, that you see the contrast of like her connection with people and then her not connecting with people. At all mm -hmm. with him, especially. And I, one of the most relatable moments of the film is like they're kind of having this argument because she's like, oh, we can't move in together. I'm like living with Sophie. Like, I thought we were going to renew our lease. Mm -hmm. He's like, it's not like you can't move in with me. You don't want to. And her phone rings. And it's Sophie. Of course. And she answers it. And she's like, what up, bitch? <laughs> oh, I love you so much. Dumpling house. Like inside jokes. And she hangs he's up. just so pissed. <laughs> he's so pissed to see her having fun with someone else. And I was like, you can't compete with a best friend. And you're not supposed to. She hangs up. like, yeah, so you're going to be single with two cats. That's weird. <laughs> he's like, why would I be single? She's like, wait, I thought you said this wasn't working out. Oh, so good. Um, she leaves saying, I'm going home. I'm tired. I'm always so tired. <laughs> I was like, girl, me too. But apparently she's just tired when she's not around Sophie because she goes find Sophie and they like party all night. Oh, my God. And like pee in the subway station. And F isn't running. S isn't even running. <laughs> so, yeah, they go back to their apartment, end up sleeping in the same bed because why not? This is what roommates do. I love that. She's like, don't be stupid. Like, don't go to your room. Just, like, sleep here and take off your socks. You know what movie they're watching on her laptop in that scene? No, what is it? The Day After Tomorrow. <laughs> Isn't that just, like, so the movie you would have on your laptop watching in your roommate's bed? This is so Lizzie and I watching, like, Alien versus Predator. Yeah, on, like, a 13-inch. Uh, don't be stupid. Just take uh, your socks off. Their intimacy is so lovely. After this, we see Frances at what she wants to do. She is a modern dancer, totally broke, working in like a really small dance studio. Um, she's led to believe there might be a spot for her in the Christmas show upcoming for her, some extra cash. After this, she goes to meet Sophie at work and we get the line, Ahoy, sexy. <laughs> Just like what a man had texted her earlier, trying to get some. Um, <laughs> and we just see her like light up when she sees Sophie outside of work. She like comes to life. She like is in love with this girl in some way. Frances is so interesting because either she's obsessed with you or nothing. Mm -hmm. No, 
no movement. Like we see it even with like Lev, like the boys that she moves in with later. She's like obsessed with them. Like, aren't they magic? Yeah. Um, and everyone else like fucking Patch is like, whatever, Patch, you got this money-wise. Money-wise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hot or cold with Francis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sophie breaks some bad news to her though, saying uh, she wants to move into another apartment with a different girl. In Tribeca. In Tribeca. You know, it's my favorite neighborhood. And Francis refers to this as when Sophie broke up with me later in the film. Yeah, because this is when you start seeing Sophie negate what I think her and Francis had previously agreed on. Mm-hmm. Like Francis is like, well, you hate Patch. And she's like, I don't hate Patch. And she's like, well, you hate Lisa. And she's like, I don't hate Lisa. And it's like, we make fun yeah. of her all the time, you know? Yeah. And I, I do wonder, like, is, is like Sophie kind of has like these two sides of her like she sometimes feels like she's trying to like grow up and move on and and what you're saying all the things she's talking about like she does like her responsible financially stable boyfriend she doesn't mind Lisa actually but then you still see them like having little picnics and goofing off and they'll still call each other and like say bitch all the time you know like (laughs) she still has that like silly side and I think she's having a hard time reconciling between where she's coming from like her herself with Francis and then herself that's like growing up because yeah. it's boring. It's not like she's deciding against Francis. I think she's really like what you're saying. Francis represents this like adolescence that she's trying to move away from. Yeah. So after this, we get like, <laughs> like the way this is written is so perfect. So we see Francis in her like now empty apartment. It's just like all of her belongings just on the floor and no <laughs> furniture because obviously Sophie owned all the furniture. We bought that kettle together. <laughs> She's trying to heat up water with a metal pot on the stove and she burns the shit out of her hand and she calls Sophie and bitches. We bought that kettle together, remember? <laughs> At the Mexican superstore? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I was like, it gets me every time. It's so fucking funny. Uh, I'm drawing many parallels between Lizzie and I because she's the only roommate that I've had where it's it's just been the two of us and it's not like several other roommates. But I'm thinking of the time I had called Lizzie to come home so many various other times to kill a bug. So many fucking times. <laughs> and and I, you would make it like serious. You're like, oh my God, where are you? I'm like, around the corner. Like, what do you mean? You're like, hurry. <laughs> I'm like, okay, am I going to fight a man? Like, So she flat out refused. She, you were like, you at one point you're like I'm not coming home ever again to kill a bug and so one time I had to tell her I I lost my keys or something I was like can you come and let me in because I don't have my key and you were like do you not have your key or is it a bug (laughs) you're like both the (laughs) keys are by the bug (laughs) come kill the bug it's so relatable we bought it together god we lived in a roach motel for a little while let me tell you that that place yeah. was infested but the rent was so cheap <laughs> god damn. it was a good fucking deal yeah uh, okay i have another girl bomb back for you talking about roommates okay so girl bomb back they had a college roommate who was now also famous i know it's girl it's kate mckinnon final answer final answer it's another trick <sighs> question Ooh, i want to do you like it's your birthday? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you are right. Greta Gerwig did room with Kate McKinnon in college. Uh, but Noah Bombach roomed with Jason Bloom of Bloomhouse Productions in college as well. She's so mad. <laughs> <laughs> She's so mad. I'm still two for two because I've been right in both cases. 
Yeah, you like no, you got them both half right, mm-hmm. so you have like one. No, I got them right. <laughs> oh yeah. You better change your tune, bitch, because your days are numbered. <laughs> You're like, this is your last fucking birthday. <laughs> <laughs> this will be the last one you get. So happy day, Francis gets a tax rebate in the mail and calls Lev to go out to dinner. Lev is played by the inoperable <laughs> girls era Adam Driver. Uh, he, this is his hype for me. I want him to start taking funny roles again because yeah. he's so good at being so dumb. We love a himbo. Himbo to the max. He's like super rich, wants to buy a motorcycle. Uh, but yeah, they do go out to dinner and she insists on treating him, lays down her debit card <laughs> because I'm not a real person yet. They don't take debit cards. So she has to run several blocks for like at least an hour to try to get cash out of an ATM. I love her. I love that she doubled down on paying. That she's like, no, I'll just be right back. She She's the kind of kid that runs everywhere. Did you I, have those kids in high school? Yes, I did. And you have to respect it. Just take a step to the side and let them go. She got one speed. Yeah, she's main charactering <laughs> right now. Mm-hmm. Could you actually move out of the way? <laughs> so they go back to Lev's place. And Lev, another moment that just made me laugh so fucking hard. Lev goes to like make a move on her and like puts his hand on her shoulder and she goes, eh. <laughs> and you kind of see it in her face like the, oh shit, why did I do that? <laughs> and you see in his face like, heard, <laughs> noted. <Work>. Okay, <laughs> worth a shot. I love that they don't say anything afterwards. No, nothing. <laughs> um, so she ends up moving in with Lev and his roommate Benji, who she calls you guys are like magic, but really they're just rich. Also, Benji is in a season of Girls, and he plays like essentially the same character. It's very enjoyable. Oh, definitely Lev is basically Adam. Mm-hmm. Isn't that his character's name also, mm-hmm. Adam? Mm-hmm. Adam is Adam. <laughs> God damn it. This definitely got him girls. Oh, five sure. Ten sure. And his girlfriends say like the most mean shit to Greta. Like, wow, you look older, but like not like you have your shit together. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Benji calls them Lev Sluts. So, yeah, Lev Slut made me a bagel. I'm having a great day. I was like, oh. oh." Uh, We do get a really iconic moment. This has a really low budget, but they still could afford David Bowie's modern love. You see her, like, running down the street, just like. Lee, didn't you say this is a reference? Yeah, did you guys know this is, uh, I'm pretty sure it's a reference to uh, Mauvais Sang, by Leos Carax. Have you guys seen this scene? You could be making up words. Can I just show it to you real fast? Because yes. you'll, you'll be like, oh, that is definitely the same. That is definitely a similar thing. This is all um, soundstage too, which is oh, crazy. Really? They, the whole like thing is just very well designed. Wow. Yeah, that's got to be a reference. Uh, has, yeah, it's definitely. Well, yeah, this movie came out in 86, French movie. It was probably in the French New Wave, which was like a huge reference point for Francis Ha, for sure. I mean, uh, the film is shot in black and white to give it kind of like an instant classic feel, which I usually kind of like roll my eyes at like modern black and white movies. I do think it works well for this film, though. It lets you just like really focus on Francis. Yeah, it I think is effective for this film because it kind of... Pl- takes the modernness out of it and makes it seem like she's like in no time specific space because nothing that happens to her in this movie couldn't happen 40 years before 40 years later 100 percent um the next day she's having trouble leaving the house and she says to her roommate benji 
You know what Virginia Woolf book this reminds me of? Undateable. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hang out with her so bad. So deeply. This joke hit me as hard as the depression Barbie joke in the Barbie movie. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, why y'all got to be like that? Ow. Ow. So Sophie comes over for a visit to Francis's new rich kid apartment and... She's trying so hard to impress Sophie. Yeah. Telling her how cool and, like, how much chemistry she has with the boys. Like, look at these cool records. It's not really working, though. Sophie's like, well, I have to go soon. I have to hang out with Patch. This is when I start really disliking Sophie because you can see Francis being like, well, I thought we had the day together. And she's like, well, I have to leave at five to meet Patch. And it's like, I kind of, I have friends like that. Or I've had friends like that, and it's always been really annoying when they prioritize their boyfriend who they see all of the yeah, time. Right. And it's like, well, you couldn't just not have dinner with Patch today. Like, if this is the only day you and I have that works together. Right, like, I haven't seen you in weeks. Yeah, you're going to go home and see Patch after we hang out anyways, you know? It definitely is sad because, like, you just see Sophie choosing to grow up. Mm-hmm. And, like, for sure, Francis needs to— as. Love Slut was saying, get her shit together. But, you know, it's like, doesn't mean you can't spend time with Francis. Like, it feels like Sophie's not really trying at all anymore, which yeah. is really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, so things get way worse at Francis's dance performance. Um, Sophie brings Patch along and says, we can go out for a quick drink after. And they have to do something else for Patch. Exactly. This poor Patch guy, he really is just like, wait, what? I thought this was going to be cool. I was just taking a leak. Why are you mad? <laughs> he looks like he says, I got to take a leak and wears pre-distressed baseball hats. Can we see that scene of them? Oh, I was going to show it anyway. Oh, my God. It's one of my favorite scenes in the film. Um, yeah, they things kind of come to a head and they end up fighting in the bathroom. And I'll show you that scene. I was lying. I don't love Patch. I do love him. Since when? When did this happen? been happening. That's fucking bullshit. Come on, Sophie. No, you're bullshit. And you're making me feel really bad right now. I want to love him if you love him, but you don't love him. I do. Sophie, I fucking held your head while you cried. I bought special milk for you. I know where you hide your pills. Don't treat me like a three-hour brunch friend. Right, I'm not talking to you while you're I love that scene. Don't treat me like a three-hour brunch friend. It takes a lot of a friendship to have a fight like this. Because if you have like medium friends or whatever and they offend you, you're like, whatever, I just won't talk to them for a little while. But to get into a fight that's on par with like a relationship. Exactly. It really says a lot. They've been friends for a long time and they have a lot of resentments built up. Like Mm -hmm. Sophie obviously holds a lot against uh, Francis and Francis is also like, why the fuck are you icing me out, dude? Like, I know everything about you. Don't lie to me. Mm -hmm. But it could just be that Sophie's changing, you know? Uh, So this scene, I mentioned earlier that you know, this film and none of Baumbach's work or Greta's work that I can tell have any improv. And then with that, they tend to do a lot of takes to get the rhythm of the words and get every single word said exactly how it's written in the script. So this scene took so long to film that Greta Gerwig actually detailed the whole sequence of filming it in a New York Times article called one scene, 42 takes, and two hours in a bathroom stall. Wow. Where she, like, goes through, like, 2.15, takes 17, and gives, like, a what happened, what went wrong. 42 takes. They ended up using number 29. Whoa. So they did, like, another 11 or something afterwards. Yeah. Over and over and over. Getting everything exactly right. 
making sure not a single word was dropped, that every emotional beat was hit. What were some of the reasons and some of the takes? A lot of it was not saying something right. And a lot of it was just getting the emotional rhythm correct. Like sometimes Frances would be playing it like too slow and drunk and like lumbering. She says like for the first like 10 or 12, she kept like hunching (laughs) like over and over and over. And also getting frustrated because Noah wasn't giving her any like positive feedback. She's just like, okay, we got to go again. Got to go again. And she was like looking for some like good job, for, yeah. you know, Greta. Let's keep this and do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they both ended up crying at a certain point. There was a couple of times that the scene ends with Francis like slamming her hands on the side, on the sides of Sophie's head near the wall, like kind of a scary, a violent-ish moment. And there's like somewhere she would like miss or somewhere it would be too scary. So they're just like dialing in. I heard in an interview her talk about like why they do so many takes Mm. and I thought it was pretty interesting so she says like you know the first couple you think you might be doing good so you have to get past that the next few you might make some mistakes and start feeling like it's bad so you need to get past that and then after you do it again and again and again and you have like the you know the kind of muscle memory of the action of the scene the blocking then you really like kind of reach this other place where you're past like the ego of thinking it's good and past the insecurity of thinking it's bad and you get to wherever it actually needs to be nice i thought that was really interesting i wonder if david fincher also does a million takes for that reason i was literally just thinking of fincher but when you're having actors delve into their character where everything has to seem like oh this is how the person would hold the glass or this is how the person would open the door put on their pants the actor has to get so used to it that they're not thinking about putting on their pants anymore. They're just doing it like a normal person would. And they can focus, like as you're saying, on the emotional aspect of it. I want to say that's why Fincher does it. I don't know. (laughs) Who knows? That guy's crazy. (laughs) He's crazy. (laughs) The scene is just so good. I love it. And it's so, the pacing of it's perfect. And I'm interested if you're saying they took the 29th take and then went 12 times after that, like, or 12 or 13, whatever times after that, if they still felt like the 29th take, it's the one they chose. So it's, I am assuming is what they thought as good as it got, but it clearly wasn't perfect because they went 11 or 12. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think sometimes it's like they were searching for the perfect take, maybe not necessarily had one in mind. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of like another thing that they talk about that develops over like the first two dozen takes is like what Francis is doing at the opening of the scene. And eventually it like halfway through they land on, okay, she'll be washing her hands. So that's like a whole another step to the scene that wasn't necessarily scripted that they had to like find and add on. And also subtly changes, you know, the minute movements in this tiny bathroom stall of their blocking because like they want everything to domino effect perfectly into the next. And the, and the rhythm of the dialogue I think is the coolest thing and something I'm really interested in exploring in a future episode of Little Women is the pacing of the words and when someone cuts someone off is even planned, like choreographed. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it's really, and it's so short, the scene. Tiny. They get a lot accomplished. Yeah, so much. And you learn so much about characters based on how they fight with each other. Yeah. So yeah, we're kind of reaching like a low point for Frances. Um, She ends up not getting the job with the Christmas show and is like super, super broke. She has to move out of the apartment that she lives in with the boys. She puts her stuff in storage and goes to visit her parents in Sacramento. Um, Fun fact, those are her real parents. No way. Her real mom and dad and poodle (laughs) pick her up from the airport. 
Uh, I think those are her family members, too, in the Christmas scene. Oh, sweet. Um, Which, surprise, Christmas movie. <laughs> hey, works out. Merry Christmas, you guys. <sighs> um, Okay, and we'll play round number three of Gerwig or Bombac, unless you're still mad at me. Let's go. Let me guess. Both of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, they were attached to a spinoff of How I Met Your Mother series Gerwig. called How I Met Your Dad, which luckily Gerwig. never came to fruition. I've seen the pilot. It's so bad. That's Gerwig. If Gerwig. Bombac was attached, I am going to go crazy. No, it was Gerwig. Okay. But speaking of How I Met Your Mother, does Greta Gerwig remind you of Allison Hannigan at all? I guess if I'm thinking of Willow, the kind of like naive excitement of that character. I mean, like her face, like oh. her <laughs> mouth and the way she says words. Like I see that. Yeah. I got to show you a clip. I know you know what Willow looks like, but I just got to show you this clip because I've never. It's like the same mouth acting. <gasps> okay. With let's the see. same shape mouth. Most of my potions come out soup. Besides spells going awry. Friends in danger. I'm definitely not. Lizzie, that's special. so good. It's Greta Gerwig's mouth. <laughs> Soup. And like the same dialect, like the same accent. I don't know. It it freaks me out every single time I see young Greta Gerwig speaking. Lizzie just showed me a clip from Buffy the Vampire Slayer of Allison Hannigan as Willow being like me? Bad. Mm-mm. Witch soup? Mm-mm. It's like very Francis Ha. Huh? Yes. It's such a good call out. I can't be the only one out there that thinks that. So after she gets back from Christmas in Sacramento, having a ladybird moment, um, she comes to stay for a few weeks with an acquaintance dancer named Rachel and her family. Uh, they're another rich family and they're all like have their shit together people with like babies and real jobs and normal social skills. I think for a minute you you see Frances trying to turn her cold feelings towards this person into hot feelings. Like she's trying to be excited about their friendship and do the stuff she used to do with Sophie with her. Rachel's not interested. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You sound like a gay grandmother. <laughs> That's the only time that character is funny. Do you know who that actor is? Meryl Streep's daughter. Yes. I didn't have to look it up. It's her face. Wait, you you just like figured that out? Yeah. I had no clue. Yeah, because her last name's not the same either, but I didn't even have to Google it. I'm like, that's a little Meryl yeah. Streep. That's Meryl Streep's daughter. Grace Gummer is her name. Gummer's unfortunate. Oof, Mrs. Gummer. Well, actually, she's married to Mark Ronson. <gasps> yeah. No, she's not. She is. No, actually. she isn't. She quite literally is. Lizzie, no. Lizzie, no. No. Lizzie. <laughs> Why? Mm-mm. Why no? Like, no. I don't want it. <laughs> You're like, I rebuke that. I think about them so little on a day-to-day basis, basically virtually none, but I don't want that. Well, it's it's okay. It's I was kidding. Thank you. I'm just kidding. That bothers oh, me. Sorry. Yeah. Ha ha. <laughs> they have to go get divorced. <laughs> um, actually, before that, she was married to a person for only 40 days before they got a divorce. Good for her. Do you have to give all your wedding presents back? Hell no. Hell no. This is my rice cooker, bitch. <laughs> they bought that kettle together. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> Jesus from the Mexican superstar. <laughs> Someone asks her at the table, so what do you do? It's kind of hard to explain because what you do is complicated because (laughs) I don't really really do it. it. (laughs) (laughs) I really do that so much. You can see her trying to adult. She's like, ha ha, how stupid would it be if I asked you? 
what you did for a living. <laughs> and he was like, what? He's like, yeah, so what do you do? He's like, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm an attorney. If someone tells you they're an attorney, you're like, oh, okay. Mr. Attorney. Ah. Uh, but she does have a really iconic monologue um, towards the end of this dinner scene that I would love to show you because it comes back around later and a really sweet way. I can do this for, like word for word. I will say something very embarrassing. I think everyone's done it. <gasps> what? I what? did this for an acting class. You did? Who did it? Do you remember it? Yeah, it's Who that did moment. It? <laughs> it's that moment where you see someone and it's a party and they're shining and you're. it's not precisely sexual, but yeah, I know it. Wow. <laughs> Oh, it's a so party, cute. and you see them, and they know it, and they see you, and you know it. <laughs> Wait, should I even show it? <laughs> I hope my performance was so good. It's that thing when you're with someone, and you love them, and they know it, and they love you, and you know it. But it's a party, and you're both talking to other people, and you're laughing and shining, and you look across the room and catch each other's eyes. But but not because you're possessive or it's precisely sexual. But because that is your person in this life. That's, that's what I want out of a relationship. Or just life, I guess. Love. Blah. I sound stoned. <laughs> I'm not stoned. Thanks for dinner. Bye. Oh, bye. Anyways. <laughs> uh, I love that monologue so deeply. Uh, I love how she exits it. And it makes me think of a line she says earlier about Lev. Like, he leaves so easy. Yeah. <laughs> she does not. You know what Virginia Woolf book this reminds me of? Uh, thanks for dinner. Bye. Bye. Uh, bye. Uh, but that monologue is so good. I That's so real. I cry. I cry a lot in this movie. But I cry. I cry. I cry. I cry. My letterbox tags. I cried. Definitely heavy on this one. Uh, so Francis makes a snap decision to go to Paris for the weekend. I love this. It reminds me of that Portlandia sketch. You know what I'm talking about? It's the skit in Portlandia where Fred is dating a new person. It's Rose Byrne. And they're like on their second date. And he's like, wouldn't it be crazy if we just went to Paris? And it starts off really romantic. And then their jet lag like <laughs> overlaps in really terrible ways. And they realize that like their one night in Paris they've slept through. And he's like, we have to go to the airport like like now. Oh, my God. <laughs> And they end up breaking up because it's such a terrible experience. <laughs> this is literally that. Yeah. <laughs> she literally takes a sleeping pill and sleeps through her one entire day in Paris. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, but, like, no shit. When I was 24 years old, I opened my first credit card so I could go to Ireland for Thanksgiving because I didn't want to deal with my family shit going on at the time. So I just convinced my friend, Gabby, <laughs> to book a flight, and we flew to Ireland for a week. And I was in debt for, like, two years for that credit card that I still have. Was it worth it? So worth it. See? So worth it. Was it impulsive? Fuck yes. Was it expensive? Uh-huh. Better believe it. Iconic. <laughs> we love it. I wonder if this, like, influenced me to do that. No, that's, like, some shit I would do. 
<laughs> I would do that shit. So the reason she comes back is because she has this like meeting. Shut up. And the woman's like, oh, I was about to cancel. Yeah. With the, oh, we could have rescheduled. And Francis is like, blink, blink, blink. <laughs> and the whole meeting is so that she can offer her a job as like the front desk girl. And she's like, no, I don't. I, I want to be a dance. dancer. Yeah. Which I like respect. I respect. But it's one of those things where you're like, Francis, but you need the money. <laughs> you need the money, girl. Like, where are you going to live? Uh, and then they show her as like a weird summer RA. She does the whole summer RA thing where she can't even take a dance class because RAs aren't allowed in class. So mean. Oh, what's the point? Uh, there is a great scene, though, where she like stumbles across like a freshman girl crying in the hallway. And she just like sees her and is like, I'm just going to sit here next to you. And she like kind of just slides down the wall and sit next to her. And, she, and the girl's like, you don't have to do that. I'm just going to, though. <laughs> it's like she's got such a big heart and is such a good, responsible person for when it matters, um, including when she's like catering an event the next day to make some extra money. And lo and behold, Sophie is there fucking wasted, ends up like coming back to Francis's room later that night like ditches patch treats him like shit is super fucking wasted and i love that scene francis is my friend she doesn't doesn't even even like like you you. i like you patch i like you too francis when he (laughs) says that i'm like exactly patch is just like along for the ride he has no idea (laughs) but like you see francis is like better at taking care of other people than herself in a weird way like she knows what people need and can provide it especially Sophie like we see her know exactly what to do give her tips on how not to throw up is there to like hold her hair back and they stay up late talking and like dreaming about the life they want to have together just like they did at the start of the film but when when uh, dawn breaks Sophie's gone and Frances is on her own again but we'll take a small break to play uh, round four of Gerwig or Bombac. Let's go. Have a newly, have a new confidence. Feeling confident? Okay, let's see. So the scenes of this college were filmed at Vassar College, where this filmmaker graduated. It's an infamous liberal arts college that includes alumnus Meryl Streep, Lisa Kudrow, Anne Hathaway, Jackie O, Jane Fonda, and Grace Hopper, the inventor of computer coding. I feel like it's Bombac. I don't. I feel like Gerwig and McKinnon went somewhere else. I'm gonna say Bombac. You're right. <laughs> Vassar College, baby. If I could go back and do it all again, I would apply here. It was mm-hmm. a women's only college until like 1969, and it has like one of the biggest libraries, like for students ever. It's like a huge, gigantic, beautiful library. Anyway, I want to go there. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Let's do it all over again. <laughs> Um, so yeah, after Sophie leaves, this kind of is like something motivates Frances to like kind of get her shit together. We don't really see what it is. Maybe it's like this moment of loss, like realizing like she doesn't have Sophie anymore. So she's got to like look out for herself. I really don't know what motivates this change. It seems like she realizes that if she is going to have Sophie, it's always going to be like this in these like short bursts. Like she's never going to be able to go back to the way that it really was. Yeah. So she starts focusing on herself. She does take that job, the desk job at the dance studio and seems to really like it. She starts like dressing professionally. She gets her own apartment and we see her choreographing a piece and presenting it with a bunch of dancers, like 12 dancers. 
And this part, like, overall makes me really sad in a very specific way in that, like, happy, sad, bittersweet growing up way because it is kind of sad to see Francis, like, you know, wearing a pencil skirt and, like, a button-up and, like, answering the phone and being really good at it. And, like, even though she's obviously got a lot of self-confidence in what she's doing and we see her creating something, it's still really sad to, like, see this kind of childlike person become more adulty. And in her piece, it's such a lovely contemporary, like, modern piece. I don't know how to talk about dancing, obviously. Um, more G. <laughs> give more dance, less dance. <laughs> um, but she directed it really well, and I think it's a really moving piece. And I love that scene where everyone's watching and you they cut to every character yeah. in different parts of their lives as well, Including watching it. Sophie. And smiling, you know. Yeah. It's sweet. It's like what you're saying. She's conforming, and she's good at it. And she still gets this like little avenue, but there's part of you that like wants her to work the way she was before. You know, yeah. like I want that to be something that she can succeed in, but it's not possible. Yeah, you do have to grow up eventually if you're going to live in a city and be an adult. Yeah. And she seems to make peace with it. So like you're, you know, happy, sad, like I said. Um, and I'm going to show you one last clip. This is... One of the final scenes of the film. I have to say, it just is so impressive to me. But who, who are you making eyes at? That's Sophie. She's my best friend. <laughs> Sam, could you describe that scene for us? Yeah. <laughs> Give me a second. <laughs> I was literally crying in the coffee shop watching this earlier today. <laughs> so very Francis of you. So uh, very period of me. I love it. Uh, yeah, so we have Francis at the end of her dance recital, and she's getting positive notes from the director of the dance studio that she works at. So all in all, a very important point in anyone's professional career. And she can't concentrate because she catches Sophie Sophie's eye from across the room. And it's the monologue vibes that she gave earlier. And they're just shining and smiling. And it feels so intimate. I feel like I would have to be like, okay, you're clearly busy. <laughs> I'll, I'll see you later then. <laughs> in the script, this scene reads, it's the moment that Frances has always wanted. Shut up, dude. I got goosebumps. <laughs> it's so good. And then there's only one scene in the film after this, which also made me cry, which whatever. I am me. You're you. But we see Frances in her new apartment, and she's writing her name on a tiny slip of paper to slip into her mail slot so people know where to put her mail. But her whole name, Frances Halliday, doesn't fit. The only words we can see are Francis Ha. <laughs> which most people would just do F period holiday, but she was Francis Ha. Uh, I don't know why, but that final beat, I guess like it's kind of the perfect, like she has grown up because obviously she's in a place that's like her apartment, her mail slot. You know, it's not like just the number of this slot because like three or four people live there. It's Francis Holiday's place. But at the end of the day, she can still have a little bit of fun and still be Frances Ha, like this version of herself that she chooses. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's she's in between so like just Frances and in between F Halliday. She's Frances Ha. Yeah. So slay. 
<laughs> All right, we have one final round. Let's go. Of I'm four for four, baby. Gerwig or Bombeck. Are you? Bitch. Play the tape back. <laughs> <laughs> so make me do this on your birthday, Elizabeth. <laughs> okay, you ready? Yeah. This filmmaker has been nominated for seven Oscars, over 60 critic awards, and their films have grossed a record-breaking $1 billion. Gerwig. Yes. So I win. Uh, what do I get? To come back for another episode after the holidays. <laughs> after the ha. Hey, y'all. There is actually something I really wanted to ask about because I haven't figured it out yet. And it's at the end of this movie. Okay. I don't really remember exactly where it is, but I think it's around the scene when she puts her name in the apartment uh, thing. But I've actually had more than one conversation with Charles from the Northern Exposure podcast about it. But there's a scene, I can't remember the context now, but maybe you'll remember it because there's a very specific insert shot. I think she like runs out onto the street and then there's an insert shot of her feet. Like she looks down at her feet and she's wearing socks or something. She's barefoot. Barefoot. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think that means? Like it's deliberate. Yeah, it's when Sophie is getting in the car with Patch mm -hmm. okay. as they're leaving the, the college dorm room and she's, Francis is trying to run and get her. And I always just thought that she only stopped running because she was barefoot and it hurt. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Well, like multiple times in the film, oh, right. Sophie's like, I know this isn't uh, my bed, but can you take your socks off? Oh. Like she thinks it's gross. And she was that. instructed to take her socks off the night before when she's in bed with Sophie and Sophie's drunk again. Yeah. So maybe yeah. it was because we're kind of led to believe like this is probably the last night that Sophie and Francis ever shared a bed together because after this Sophie goes and gets married and Francis like gets her own place and doesn't have her as a roommate ever again so maybe I mean when you're wearing you know no socks outside it can feel really like vulnerable mm -hmm. and like exposed really limits you yeah and I think she tries to, you know, she tries to run after the car Sophie's in is literally screaming her name like, Sophie, Sophie. So I think it's like a realization like she she's on her own. She's exposed out in the world. Mm -hmm. No protection. Yeah. She's got a and then sans socks, sans Sophie. <laughs> it's a really poignant shot because you're right. Like it's a full beat where we get an insert yeah. of her bare feet on the pavement. And like when I first saw it and when I kept seeing it, I was just scratching my head like what is what is the importance but I'm glad it's directed to by hear Tarantino that. <laughs> yeah that's all <laughs> co-directed that uh, one scene that yeah one right <laughs> uh, but no I'm glad y'all talked about that I was curious I like it yeah I mean and I really breeze through this film but there's so many poignant shots so many lines of dialogue so many looks on Francis's face that convey so many more layers to how complicated it is to be at, like this cusp of like adolescence truly being over and adulthood like slamming into you um that is what his birthdays are all about <laughs> am i right can i get a hell yeah brother hell yeah existential <laughs> crisis That's cool. um but i love this film uh, i'll talk a little bit about the reception with a budget of three million dollars um wow. it grossed 11.3 in the box office and was a huge critical hit what year did this come out? This came out in 2012. Yeah, I was about to say, I I wasn't a person that could take myself to the movies, or I would have, but I didn't hear anything about this coming out. You don't think you saw it in theaters? I certainly didn't. I remember seeing it on Netflix. It was, uh, it premiered at Telluride and had like a good independent run, I guess, but it wasn't like a crazy big release. I think, 
I guess I must have seen it because who knows a movie about a woman was <laughs> like sounds good. I'm on board. Yeah, I wish I could remember like why I put it on that first time in that group of four boys in the dorm room. But I think I had the same thought because I didn't know Gerwig or Bombback at all, and I remember being like, "Oh, but it's it's about a woman." Yeah, I remember knowing about Bombback and like watching one of his other films and being like. A little like unimpressed. I mean, of course, at this time I was like 22, so <laughs> my taste in films a little different now. But um, this one really stuck with me. Yeah, it's a fantastic film. <sighs> I love that. Even for your birthday, it's still a little gay. I know it's a little gay, right? Yeah, Sophie and I, I mentioned in the beginning. It's not like I feel like it's more on Francis's end. She puts so much weight on the friendship, and I think that's why she's insulted that Sophie can just walk away. Yeah, and it hurts hurts her a lot. But she does that thing. Francis does that thing where, you know, when you have a crush on someone and you want to, like, bring up their name all the time. Oh, she brings her up constantly. She's constantly talking about Sophie, saying, like, oh, we're the same person but with different hair. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, you're that Francis, that Sophie? And she's so proud to call herself Um, you know, that's my best friend. And what's great about this film is like, she doesn't lose that. Like they reconcile, they have that beautiful moment across the party and then she keeps going forward with her life, you know? And I I believe they would still be friends forever and ever. Yeah, me too. And like, yeah, even at the end, she's still very excited when the name comes up, her little ears perk and it's cute. I saw a picture of Greta Gerwig at a Beyonce concert and she was like covered in sweat. She's wearing like this yes, cute little oh outfit. She's taking a picture with like her fan. Yeah. And the tweet was like, man, I love her. She she looks like she let me hit her elf bar in line in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the same energy Francis gives. Like she will let you hit her vape for sure. For sure. Let me have a sip. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I'll end us with this really cute clip of Greta Gerwig. Uh, talking about her first ever kiss. It was a great first kiss. It was very romantic. It was in a hot tub. (laughs) And then we rode our bikes home. We'd been building to it for a solid six months. I was so, I was just so in love with him. I think we were quoting the little prince to each other. Then we started making out. He, it turned out, did not, was not, he doesn't like girls, but he liked me, um, but not not ultimately uh-huh. as a partner. Can you imagine your first kisses with Greta motherfucking <laughs> Gerwig? And he's like, you know, if Greta Gerwig's not doing it for me, babes, I must be gay. <laughs> this is so Lizzie coded because Lizzie's mentioned on the pod before having her first kiss to the curious case of Benjamin Button. Was it also to a gay guy? I wish. But your first boyfriends were gay. My first big crush and the person I went to all my homecomings with. Gay guy. The only person I still talk to from <laughs> high school. Maybe you're listening. Love you. Uh, yeah. And uh, Greta Gerwig is so hot. There's sometimes like in BTS something where, you know, that clip from Lady Bird BTS when they're in the gardens and she's like, run, keep running. Now kiss her. Kiss her. Really kiss her, Lukey. Now Gerwig, fall. you can wreck me. I know you're straight, but I love it. But like, is she? It's hard to tell. After this, they talk about like, Oh, who's your celebrity crush? Um, and she's like, right now, Melody Griffith from Working Girl, which is like a movie Solid from the 80s. Answer. Solid answer. I'm like, I, I don't know. Somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> Something. You know? Yeah, I'd love to do my taxes and laundry with you or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Well, thank you for this birthday ride. Happy birthday, Lizzie. Thank you. Another great year of your life. If you have a Lizzie in your life, give them a hug and a kiss. And play fight with them. It's all we really want. Play fight. We went to New York for your birthday and I we wrestled. We and did. I won. So I'm sorry you I want you to say that. You were literally hollow. Like you were like one of those Bird chocolate bones. bunnies you get at Easter. Like so easy to push over. My God. Yeah. Lizzie's definitely the older sibling. I'm the younger sibling. So we have different fighting styles. styles. <laughs> Happy birthday, Lizzie. Thanks. Merry Christmas, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see y'all after the holidays. We're going to take a little time off to eat, drink, and be merry. And gay. And gay, (laughs) certainly. Thanks for listening. Uh, Lizzie, I now have a question for you. Gerwig or Bombach? Gerwig. Jesus Christ. Gerwig. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to keep this content ad-free, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash subtextualpod. See you next week.